Do we have, do we have any Saints fans in the house? All right, a few, okay. Any Colt fans in the house? All right, do we have any people that don't even care in the house? Okay, I think they win the, they win the Super Bowl trophy. Oh, well, hopefully the, the biggest part of you then won't be a part of the 30 million pounds of junk food that Americans will eat over the course of today only, okay? 30 million pounds of junk food. I heard uh, a statistic this past week that Pizza Hut corporate offices released, and they estimate that they will deliver 1.7 million pizzas today. This is the day of consumption. This is the day that that New Year's resolution that you've been battling with of losing weight, just throw it away, all right? It's, if you haven't already, then it's, today will be that day that many people will throw it away. I was even talking to one guy who was going down, listen to this, going to New Orleans to watch the Super Bowl in a pub on a television. I couldn't figure that one out. When I, when I heard the conversation going on, I think it... Do they get better reception in New Orleans than they do, you know, in Northwest Arkansas? You know, there was something about, he, he just said, I'm, I'm from New Orleans. I've got to go to New Orleans to watch this. Even though the game isn't in New Orleans, I've got to go to watch it in New Orleans. That is an affinity. This guy loves his Saints. He's got to be with other Saints fans, and he's going to connect with them. Now, I tell you, one of the things we've got to understand, there's affinities out there and then there are families out there, and they're not the same, all right? Though there are some who, who would lump a, a, a saint's family or a cult's family together. Really, you know, affinity is that social group with a common interest. You can have an affinity around uh, bunko, okay? You can have an affinity around hobbies that you have. If you like hunting or fishing or anything outdoors, that's, that's, that, that's an affinity that we have. We have all kinds of affinities. If you like video games or you like a particular video game, then you get these little groups together and you play these things. That's an affinity. Affinities are fine and they're great and you can build a whole lot of community around affinities. But then there's family. And family's at a whole new level. Family is that lifelong bonds of blood and, or law or grace that kind of bring us together, that kind of make us far deeper. Now, never confuse affinities with families, all right? If you ever become more loyal to your saints or to your cowboys than you do your wife, then we've got real problems in the marriage in the making, all right? Never blend the two. And there are people who will blend the two. When it comes down to anniversaries, they find themselves in the deer woods instead of with their wife. They have blend, they, they, they've confused their affinities with their family. And they, they, they have a real prioritization problem. You probably know people like that, whether it's shopping or it's hunting or it's fishing or whatever it may be, whatever that hobby is. We've got to be careful that we don't blend the two. And again, I want to emphasize that a family is something that bonds us together. It's a bond. It's a commitment. It's a, it's a, it's a cohesion about us that is by blood. That means by birth. Or by law, that means you married into it, okay? And whether you, you chose your wife, but you didn't choose your in-laws, all right? You just got stuck with them. But they're a part of your family now, all right? And so you become a part and parcel of family there. But there's also another category of grace. That's that beautiful experience of adoption. That, that, that experience that even Lori and I are going and filling out the paperwork right now to work through that process of adoption and, and the beauty and the, and the privilege and the honor of bringing somebody who is not by blood or not by law, but bringing them into your family and loving them as if they were your blood. And Jesus did something for us when he died and redeemed us, as Jared spoke of. 
He brought us into his family. A family that we weren't qualified to be a part of. Uh, uh, We are misfits and, and he's perfect. And all of a sudden he looks past it all by the blood of Christ and covers it all by the blood of Christ. And he adopts us. And makes us, by grace, a part of his family. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. And when we become a part of his family, it is a beautiful, beautiful process. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 says it like this. God is the one who made all things, and all things are for his glory. He wanted to have many children share his glory. God wants a family. God loves family. He wants a family. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5, his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is that element of grace, that bonding, that bringing us together, that completes the deal, that makes us a part of the family of God. A lot of people are down on the family of God. A lot of people are down on the church. A lot of people are down on, uh, on the expression of Christ in, 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 in a religious body, if you will. But this is what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, 17 out of the message. It says, love your spiritual family. And I just want you to hang on that, that phrase for just a moment because I don't know how much we love our spiritual families. We critique our spiritual families. We shop for spiritual families. We consume from spiritual families. But do we love spiritual families? Do we love the connectingness, the bondedness, or is it just another affinity group? I hang out with them because I like that style of music. Or I hang out with them because they have a good children's program. And so I'm going to hang out with them. But if that ever goes away, if anything ever changes, then I am changing with it. That's like a fair-weathered football fan. Hanging with the team as long as they're winning, but when they're no longer winning, he changes teams. Listen, we're not looking for, and God did not design us to be in an affinity. He designed us to be in a family. And we're talking over the next few weeks about community. And about how God literally put it into his plan, as we've just read, that he desires us to be in that family. Now, we spoke last week about, uh, about last month all about worship and how worship we grow deeper through our worship experiences. But when we talk about community, we're going to be talking about how we grow together. All of this is about growth. Everything that we're going to talk about on this journey, on this expedition that we're going, to be, that we're going through right now is this journey to grow deeper, is to grow together. And now how does that happen and what does that look like in our lives? Because I'm afraid that we live in this individualist kind of mentality. We kind of raise ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We kind of overcome the odds. We kind of promote ourselves and we become individuals. An individual breeds, in, individualist breeds individualism. And that is a deadly, horrible thing because what it does is it creates these little pockets, these little islands where we no longer, we think I'm self-sufficient. I don't need people. And truly we should move from insufficiency to sufficiency. We should become strong. We should become Go from excuse me from dependence to independence, but we also should move to interdependence. Where we realize the value of one another and what it brings to the table. Individualism is dangerous. This is what Randy Frazee said in his book, The Connecting Church. He says, "Think of thinking of myself over thinking of others." That's what individualists do. 
lawsuits over reconciliation, individual rights over community responsibilities, career advancement over company loyalty, cynicism over trust. Which one would you say are relative truth over absolute truth? Which one of those would you say lines up with our culture more? Which side of that? I think it's quite clear that we live in a day of individualism. Individualism will lead us to anarchy if we're not careful. So when we become about us, it's about us, it's about what I want, and I look out for my own interest because nobody else is going to look out for me. An individualist it also can become so much of an island, and that is a very dangerous posture. And as an introvert myself, my own personality, as an introvert, I can easily sway myself to become that, to isolate myself. But Proverbs 18.1 says, The one who isolates himself pursues selfish desires. That's not good. And rebels against all sound judgment, it goes on to say. So let us beware that, that God is a communal God. I mean, when you think about when God created mankind, He said, let us make man in our image. It speaks of the Trinity. God, the Trinity was there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were all there in the creation story. And as the story is unfolding, He says, let us. It's community. And then when he created man, he put him in this utopia called the Garden of Eden. It was a beautiful place. It was an awesome place. And everything was perfect there. He looked at man and he said, it's not good for you to be alone. Even in utopia, even in the Garden of Eden, it is not good for us to go through as individualists in life. God created us for community, for relationship. Take your Bibles and look at 1 Timothy. Way back in the New Testament, towards the end of Paul's writings, you find Timothy. In fact, it's uh, 1 Timothy, then 2 Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, and you uh, then move into the general letters that were written by, by uh, other apostles and leaders in the, in the early church. But this is kind of coming to the end of Paul's writings as they are listed out in Scripture. And he makes this statement challenging the church. Challenging the family, challenging the community to understand its place and its role as a family, okay? In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, says, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, Paul wants to come to Ephesus where Timothy is. He can't get there right now, but I want to come. But until I come, here's what I want you to think about. If I delay, you may know how you ought to behave, listen to this next statement, in the household of God. God equates, God introduces, God talks about us as a house, as a family, as a family unit. The household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth. We need to understand that there, is, there are role responsibilities. There are relationship elements. There is a community that should take place here. Okay? We call it Grace Point Church, but we're really Grace Point family. We call it the church, the big C church out there, and all of God's kingdom and all of God's children, but it's really a family. It's that called out group of people that identify with Christ. And I want us to understand us that we must act as a family. That's what Paul's saying. 
I want you to conduct yourself as a household of God. He challenges us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 21. John does. He said, the person who loves God must also love other believers. We must learn to love and to go beyond ourselves. We must learn to think beyond our own individualistic ways and to think about us in the community environment. Now, I want us to real quickly, I want us to just kind of think about levels of community. Because this will kind of be the foundation for the rest of the month of February. This foundation is that what does a community look like? And what, where am I in this community? How do I fit in this family? You know it's like whenever you marry that other family, you, you enter into that other family, you, you try to figure out the pecking order, the family traditions, the, the nonverbals, and you sometimes cross the line and you might break something that's been an heirloom for many years or, or something like that. You, you've got to figure these things out. Well, let's figure out where we fit into God's family. And let's just lay the foundation today and then let's build on it for the rest of this month. But the first level I think we need to understand about is the membership level. That's when we're choosing to belong. We're actually choosing to belong to something. Let's, let's read this, this verse together. It says, you are members of God. Let's read it with me. You are members of God's very own family. And you belong to God's household with every other Christian. We must understand that as a believer, I'm not an individual believer unto myself. But I am supposed to not just believe. I'm supposed to belong. It's not just that I believe in Christ, I'm a follower of Christ, but what am I belonging to? How am I connecting? How am I in community? Hey, yes, you can go out here on your own for all your life, and you can do it on your own all your life. You can sit in a tree every Sunday morning and read the Scriptures, and God will teach you, but you will not be complete. Believing and belonging are a part of the Christian faith. And they're a vital part of the Christian faith. It's like a baseball player not having a team. All right? That doesn't make it. It's like a bank not having money. It just doesn't go together. It's like a doctor not having a hospital. It's like a, it's like a tuba player not having an orchestra. You don't hear tuba solos out there very often. But they sound really good in an orchestra. Baseball players who talk about playing baseball but don't have a team, they're just talking about playing baseball. They're not baseball players. And so us, think for a moment that we might be Christians, but we chose not to be a part of church. We chose not to be a part of a community, a Christian faith community. We're going to do it on our own. There's nothing perfect out there, so we're just going to kind of go into ourselves and do it our own. That's a dangerous way to function. Dangerous way. Romans chapter 12, verse 5 says, In Christ we who are many form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. Literally, as you become a part of God's family, you literally are interweaving yourself into a tight relationship, not a strangulating relationship, okay? We're not talking about strangling each other, but into a relationship that it can be beautiful and powerful and empowering to your life. Not only to your life, but as you give your life to other people's lives. Because we belong to each other. Many churches today, many, or many believers today, have to deal with this reality. That many churches are finding that people don't 
settle in to one church. They, again, shop for churches like they shop for restaurants. I feel like Italian tonight. So I'm going to go hang out with the Catholic church. I feel a little fried chicken. I'm going to go to the Baptist church. You know, whatever it is, we kind of, you may not be that arbitrary about it, but we like this program at this church, and so I'm going to go to this church for that program, but this program has a better student ministry, or this program has a better preschool ministry. I like this message over here, but I don't like the singing over here. And we start turning it into some kind of shopping cart. That's not what it's about. Whenever we become a part of something, we are choosing to belong to something. 1 Corinthians 12:13 says, This is what we proclaimed in the Word and in action when we were baptized, each of us as a part of His resurrection body. You become a part. You're, you're belonging. Now, how do you step in that steps towards membership, all right? Because, and you, you know, people say this, membership's not in the Bible. Go back and read Romans 12:5 again, please. And you'll find that he does talk about membership. That we are members one of another. So how am I a member of a family? How am I a member of a community? How do I cross that line? Three, three steps. One is choose to follow Christ. If you're not a part of Christ, then how can you be a part of His community? If you're not a part of Christ, then how can you be a part of His body? It's not some kind of exclusivism kind of club. In fact, we're very open. Anybody who wants to become a part, come apart. But come apart as a member and a follower of Jesus Christ. Make that your, 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 your calling in life, that you are following Christ. To all who received Him, to them who believed in His name, John 1.12, He gave the right to become the children of God. Become a part of His family when you become a believer. The second step is to follow God's lead to a church. Acts chapter 2 verse 47 says, And the Lord added to the church daily. Arthur Rubenstein, a famous concert pianist, was in New York City one day, and his uh, concierge asked him, Would you like to go to church on Sunday? He said, Yes. And he made this statement. He says, Find me a church. He says, Take me to a church that will challenge me to attempt the impossible. What a statement. I want to find a church. I want to be a part of a church. I want to belong to a community that's going to challenge me outside of my comfort zone. That's going to call me out. That's going to ask of me. That's going to challenge me. That's going to make my character stronger and deeper and more meaningful. That's the kind of church. You need to look for a church like that. And I'm not saying grace points for everybody. But it is for some people. And if you find that you're challenged, you're fine. Be a part. But church membership is not a convenience and a choice. It's a calling and a commitment. Number three is to identify with Christ in baptism. One of the very first things you find it throughout the New Testament that every believer did is they identified with Christ in baptism. That's what baptism into the, the life of Jesus means is that when you're lowered down into the water in the burial of Jesus, when you're raised up out of the water like the resurrection of Jesus. Identifying with Christ is that identifying, that, that linking up, that belonging to Christ part. That's membership. All right, let's move on. Number two, second level. Hopefully you're, you're at that level, but you know, if you're not at that level, let me just say this to you. Find the church that you and your family 
will plant yourself in and then be bloomed. Just grow for Christ. Become a part. Invest yourself. Be there. Membership is about belonging, okay? Number two, it's about friendship. It's learning to share. It's going again. Now we're reaching out beyond ourselves. And all believers met together, constantly shared everything with each other. Notice the process here. They met together, and as they met together, they shared together. If you aren't meeting, if you aren't in this friendship kind of connection relationship, if you aren't learning to share your life, if you aren't learning that, then you are missing a part of the value of being in a a family, in a community. We need to share our experiences. The Bible tells us, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You know what? You have experiences that I haven't had. And it's amazing. As we share together, we can grow together. As we're in community together, we can, we can challenge each other. Experiences. Share, your, share our homes. Actually, in the early church, they met in homes. They opened their homes to each other, it says. And they also share our problems. Our experiences, our homes, our problems. This is life. Do you have... Listen, listen very carefully. Because I'm going to ask this, and some of you all are going to say yes, and some of you all in your hearts are going to say no. And the ones of you that I say no to this, I challenge you, are you individualist, suffering from individualism? Because there will be a day that a pink slip will be handed to you, that a sickness will befall you, that a lost, broken relationship will overcome you. And all of a sudden, that big, strong, powerful, individual self that you are, that you've made yourself, will find yourself crumbling and you will look around and you will have nothing to help you. Part of the value of community is that we can live life on life with one another. We can challenge each other, share in each other's troubles and problems. Uh, Gaborah didn't have a um, body life group. She was an older lady. She had kind of grown up by herself. I mean, she had kind of lived a number of years by herself and lived in this house that she could barely even take care of. In fact, whenever the, the, the yard would get up to her knees, the, the father down the street would send his boy down to mow the yard. And, and whenever the pipes froze... And we wouldn't ask anything of, of Adele. And when the pipes froze and broke and water was spilling, the city came by and turned off the water, thinking maybe she was gone or something like that, turned off the water, knew that when she got back they would, they would call. And, and, then, and then all of a sudden when the mail starts spilling out of the mailbox, then they call the post office and the post office comes and they, 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 they quit giving the mail there. They start holding the mail at the post office. And, and all this just kind of continues to compound. This 73-year-old lady one day was discovered whenever finally, after all of this had taken place, the police crawled through the back window of her rickety house and found her laying dead, decomposing in a pile of trash. When they went just 50 feet from her house to her closest neighbor's house and asked her, what do you know about Adele? What, what, any, any information about her death? Anything like that that might help us understand her situation? And the lady said, I'm sorry. She said, I can't tell you much. Our neighborhood's not that friendly. And I'm really busy. 
I worked two jobs, and every time she would come by and try to greet me, I would just kind of not answer the door, and I would just kind of go on about my life. And Adele dies alone in her own house, dying in her own trash. What a sad story. But what a, what a story that could be maybe multiplied where maybe not physically there's death, but spiritually there's aloneness. There's emptiness. I want to belong. I want to have community. But I don't even know how to verbalize it. I can't even spit it out. I will seem as if I'm weak. Guess what? We're all weak. The sooner we own up to that, the sooner we can really value community. I want us to read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 together. It says, let us, read it with me, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. Third level is partnership. We move from membership to friendship, but we've got to move beyond that. We've got to move into partnership. This is now when there's really, I'm doing my part. I'm a part of the plan. I am a partner in this. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says we are partners working together for God. This is when I move from being a consumer. And I've said this so many times, but I'm saying it in now in context of a message. And I move from being a consumer of religious goods and services to being a contributor. I become a part of it. The value of the family is not that you come to my house every night and I serve you a dinner. Okay? That is like, okay, once or twice we can handle that. Three or four times, okay, you're visiting from out of town, okay, that's fine. But listen, you're not moving in, all right? Unless you're going to start contributing, all right? That's a part of the plan. That's life. And that's a part of God's plan. When you become a part of a family, you become a partner in that family. How can I contribute to that family? Erwin McManus said in this book, An Unstoppable Force, the book that we give out to all of our new members. When being a church attendee is not a culturally expected responsibility, a person who attends but does not begin to serve will drop out within a year. One will ponder all the research and studies and how to assimilate members and new believers into the body of Christ, but it comes down to a simple variable. If people begin to serve, they stick. If a person is simply being served, and it's highly unlikely that a person will make it long term. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 16 says, The whole body is fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. You are a part of this body. If you name Grace Point Church as your home, you have a special contribution. You have a special part to play. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You want to know what a healthy church looks like? It's whenever members stand in line, ready, looking, listening for opportunities to be a partner in the plan, the work of God. Right now, in our second service, and some of y'all have moved from the second service to our first service, and thank you for that, because it's a little crowded. It's kind of that overlapping service where everybody kind of comes, and it's when everybody's here that's serving. It's, it's that overlap service, and we knew that from the beginning. But it's also the service that most of our guests begin to attend. 
Well, guess what? That's also the service that is so full in our preschool division that we have literally had to close classrooms or we were going to have teachers walk out on strike and pick at the church. And that wasn't going to be a pretty sight. And so we, we said, okay, what is the idea? What's the safe? What's, the, what's, what's going to be great for our teachers and great for our students? And let's set that cap. And what we're going to have to do, and I hate to even say this, but we're going to have to close the classes when they reach to that safety, optimum teaching level. For the teacher's sake, for the children's sake. So we figured that out, and we've literally had to, a couple Sundays, close down classes. You know who comes last to the church? Guest. You know who the first turned away from preschool care? Guest. That's not good. So what we're trying to do is we're stretching that building over there as much as we can. We've got the annex out there. We're already using it to its capacity. So what we're going to do is we're going to add another class in there. It's going to take, it's going to take nine more workers. Nine more, let me call it like this, partners who say, you know what? I'm not a member. <laughs> I'm not a friend. I'm a partner in this church. And I want to help make a difference in the lives of people. And if there's a need, I would hope if there's nine needs, we'd have 18, 20 people standing in line. Sarah, would you stand up over there? Sarah is our preschool coordinator. I would love for nine people today to see her. Or 20 people. Number four. I'm going to give you the fourth as I close today. Because this is... This is my favorite one. This is the one I dwelt on the longest. This is the one that when I sat back in my chair, even this morning again, and just thought through the message, I thought, I can't wait to get to kinship. Because kinship is when you really go from that friendship, or from that membership to that friendship to that partnership to that really connected community. This is when you're really belonging and you cannot wait to be here. You cannot wait to give yourself. You cannot wait to be a part of this family and the work. They were like family to each other. Be devoted to each other like a loving family. Our, our relationship with each other, Francis Schaeffer said, with each other, is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. It's the final test of a believer or an unbeliever walking into a Christian community. And if there's not that kinship, that bond, that family, then they won't stay. And they will continue to question the faith. But if they see that community, that everybody, I think, innately, because God created us that way. When he looked at Adam, he says, it's not good for you to be alone. He created us with this need for community. When they see that, they want to latch on to that. And just thinking back through my life of 41 years, I'm thinking there have been six different churches that I've been a part of. Most of those churches, I'll have to say, I've only changed because I moved geographically locations, new zip codes, new states, new countries. We didn't move around when we were kids. For 18 years, attended two different churches. That was it. I mean, we planted ourselves and watched God bloom in a place. We went through hell and high water. We went through good and bad. We went through changes in ministers. We went through all of that. We became a part of a family that doesn't just go when the going gets rough. And I thought about kinship. I thought about 
some of the churches that I've been able to be in. And the pastor that baptized me in my very first church is still living. Johnny Lawson, I love the man. Still living in the area. has Alzheimer's, but I just love the man. And I think about, um, I think even about the, the last church I, I, I pastored. Uh, it was Lake City in East Arkansas. This past week, I was in conversation with one of our dearest friends from that church. Now that was been, that's been over, over 10, 12 years ago. What was it? There was a kinship that even to this day we're still related. And I was thinking about on my 40th birthday when I got a call from the very first church I pastored 22 years ago. And how the deacon of that church and his wife, Janice, John and Janice Rader, called me and wished me happy birthday. What was the deal about that? It's because there was a kinship. And when you enter into that kinship kind of church relationship, you don't want to leave. I've heard people literally say no to job changes and promotions because they didn't want to leave their church family. When that happens, I know there's kinship. They're at a totally new level. And you know what? People who are living at the membership level say, well, I'm a member there. Nobody even knows me. I'm a member there. Are you a partner? Are you a friend? Have you really entered in to the family? And so much of this is left up to us. What part are we going to play? I'm going to encourage you today, real simple. There's not going to be an invitation or altar call or band singing and all that kind of stuff. And here's the invitation. The invitation is to take action. But the challenge for you today is to say, what part am I going to play in this community? Now, if you're just guest with us today for the first time, fine, be a guest. But I hear the message that we're about being a community of not convenience and choice, but a calling and a commitment. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this time. We just pray that you'd speak to our hearts and our lives. Change us. Change us, Lord. But as you change us, would you also connect us? Connect us to one another. Connect us to a family that will literally forever and 22 years later be calling each other on birthdays because we belong to one another. I'm afraid in so many church expressions today that is a missing element. Make us a church, a body, a community that has a warm and open spirit to outsiders coming in, but a warm and connected spirit to those who come in, welcoming them to be a part of our community. Lord, we love you and we thank you for calling us to this level of commitment. Lord, we bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name.